Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast, the podcast for MLSs and ISOs who want to grow their portfolios and make lots of money. <laughs> I love that. I love our new intro with that, right? Because right? that's what it's about, isn't it? Isn't it? People are turning this podcast on. They want to know how to make more money. They want to make more money and we're here to help them. Absolutely. So high risk. We haven't done that before. New, a new topic. New topic. And uh, I think it's a topic we're going to keep coming back to. I do you? too. Yeah, uh, I think so. There's a lot. There's, a, there's so much going on. There's so many new industries. Right. Uh, as we talked about in here with the CBD, for example, right? Uh, you know, nutraceuticals. I mean, yep. who would have thunk a few <laughs> right. years ago that we'd that'd have, be such a big deal? That would be such a big deal, right? And, and then the holiday stuff. We talked about kind of pre. You know, it's coming into the holiday season. It is. You got to get ready. You got to be ready to keep selling. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to be ready to to give your merchants what they want, which is what you talk about in the Insiders Report. Right. And and of course, what we talk about, what you talked about in the in the questions right. is, you know. How to get ready for for the sales? Right. How to keep selling? You know, if you're if you're thinking right now, oh, this is the time of year where I'm not going to make any sales. Nope, that's wrong. Eh. Listen to our listen to our questions from the field, and we'll talk more about that. So, let's jump into it, and let's talk to Steve uh, over at the high risk stuff. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for our interview today. We're interviewing Steve Duniak. Uh, Steve is the president of Payment Advisors, and uh, Steve, you're going to talk to us a little bit about high risk today, right? Yes, exactly right. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking time to be on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you guys. And, you know, before we get to uh, anything uh, uh, of substance, I did want, well, this is of substance, but I did want to say that uh, James and Patty, you guys are doing just an awesome job in this podcast. Well, thank you. you. Know, I've been, well, thank you. I've been, yeah, you know, I, I say I've been doing this a long time, and, 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 and you'll hear a little bit about my story, but I started 27 years ago, and I would have had a much faster track, I think, if I had something like this. Something you know, like this. Just great. Sure. Well, that's yeah. great. That's, that's our goal. That's why we're doing it. So it's awesome. Yeah, well, it's great. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve, that was a, you just basically introduced yourself right there, and that, that was right. That was the good intro. So tell us your story. <laughs> tell us, you know, how'd you get into merchant services? How'd you get into high risk? Tell us a little bit of the backstory. All right, we'll do. Well, it, go, it goes back... Um, February 1991, I was uh, looking for a kind of a fresh start. I was in the insurance industry for uh, about 10 years. I, I actually answered an ad for this business in Charlotte, North Carolina for, you know, a merchant level sales position. It wasn't called that back then. Sure. Uh, the industry itself intrigued me because at the time I was, I mean, it was so far behind the scenes. It's become a much bigger industry. Right. But I, who I just, knew what it was then? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. You know, and, and I, I thought I found something no one else would know about, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I started, you know, at street level, I always like to say, uh, and the way I learned the business really was, uh, it revolved around, uh, or the way I started the business revolved around, uh, math and <laughs> making a business more efficient because at the time, uh, I mean, what the, the scenario was, was people were paying, merchants were paying three and 4% to, uh, carry their receipts to the bank uh right and they had a book to and you guys have probably heard these stories many times but they had a, a book to look at of bad cards oh yes or the you know, <laughs> or the big thing at the time was uh, you probably maybe maybe you remember that patty uh-huh. uh, uh but you, the also you, you probably remember the verifone zon jr oh uh, yes which right at the time it was doing authorization only mm-hmm. and you know it was kind of like if you knew how to do math i mean we would just go in and tell someone look you're gonna we you could pay one and a half percent and uh and 49 dollars for a 48 month leech with lease which at that time and patty you'll uh, i'm sure confirm that was low i mean that was very low really, actually yeah i was just gonna say 49 dollars. that was a deal yeah <laughs> people were really kind of um 
uh, making things a little bit uh, difficult for the future for these these businesses, and that's because of the leases. And I'll, and I'll get to right. that. But uh, the other part of the uh, equation was the efficiency of you know uh, you know those receipts will magically uh, appear in your bank account instead of you having to haul them down to the bank. Right. Exactly. Uh, and you don't but, have to you know, go, and you didn't have to go through that little, that little, uh, that that microscopic book, you know, the book with the microscopic yeah, numbers. The <laughs> yeah, that was the big thing. Yeah, that was huge. And, and who knows? I think they updated those, Patty. I don't even remember if they updated them maybe once a week or something. I, they said they once a week, them. but I think it was probably more like once every other week. Yep. Yeah. Most likely. But, you know, that all sounds easy, and it does sound easy to a lot of people. But for my, in my situation, it wasn't simple because I was kind of following behind a, a circus of uh, out-of-towners that were – and believe it or not, I mean, this is just blew my mind. What they were doing was selling 18-month leases, and then they would go into their offices and change the one to a four. Ooh. Right? Yeah. I, and, I, there were a lot of unscrupulous guys back then, weren't there? Yeah. It, there was a lot of that. So it was hard to build trust, you know, because, you know, merchants would feel like, you know, maybe the last guy got me, but you're not going to. Right. right. You know? uh, and, and, you know, and the re, there weren't a lot of re, the residuals, at least in, not in the world I stepped into immediately. The, there weren't residuals. It was pretty much making money on equipment leasing. Um you know, and I started, you know, just cold calling and being out there. I, I was doing like 10, 15 deals a, a month and felt good about that. And I soon uh, realized that if I wanted to triple uh, that, I, I couldn't necessarily triple my workload. You know, right, cold calling right. is, is difficult. So, sure. you know, from my, and you guys talk about this a lot on your podcast, but from my insurance background, you know, I incorporated partnering and using mm-hmm. centers of influence. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, I went small. I start, you know, I really focused more on regional uh, associations and franchises. Mm -hmm. I had the, at the time, uh, the North Carolina Veterinary Medical Association, North Carolina Garage Owners, Mm -hmm. and they were great. They stepped me into a lot of, uh, a lot of merchants. I started getting up there, you know, 25, 30 a month. And then the company I worked for um, was purchased by, you might remember CES. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. And right. And then shortly after that, for a state about CES. Right, um, right. That's what I was going to say. Uh, Must have been right around that time because I thought that was in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, mid, mid-90s mid or so. And uh, uh, at that time, uh, First Data had a, an alliance with Wachovia Bank, which is now Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. And um, I had about 30 branches put in my lap, and then I was on Easy Street. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, great. They, they would introduce me to, you know, for, for, for new businesses, existing businesses. We, we you know, we mm-hmm. worked it all. Um, and, you know, really getting towards uh, where the high risk comes in. I, you know, I was usually often a sales leader. So I got noticed. There was a gentleman by the name of Nick Logan. Some, I'm sure a lot of people out there remember Nick. Uh, and he, you know, asked me to come over to CSI and show, uh, you know, their agents uh, how to do what I'm doing. Um, Chuck and Lisa Birdsloff with CSI, they were really the first uh, right. mega, kind of mega ISO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people out there uh, got their start uh, that are out there now. Like, you know, a lot of large ISOs, uh, you know, you hear a lot of names that they, they started back in, in, uh, at CSI. And uh, right. I also helped some of them. I was able to, you know, uh, rub elbows with them and uh, help some of them cut their, their teeth on, on this business, you know. Hmm. Um, but that was kind of my first four-way, foray, if you will, into the high-risk uh, world. Sure. Uh, CSI had a policy, and you probably remember, Patty, they had a policy of 
pretty much boarding anything, but then they watched it like a hawk on the yeah. on the back end. Right. You know, put a lot more into risk management. Um, and then Chuck and Lisa sold to uh, to First Data, and I was back with First Data. And CSI <laughs> morphed uh, morphed a couple times as a you know uh, as a First Data entity. They got they got a little less risky. They they, they took on a little bit more of the uh, conservative approach uh, for First Data. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took uh, took part of the uh, uh, responsibilities for the Concord merger. You might remember that sure. one. Sure. Um, and on the ISO side, you know, I helped with integrating some of the ISOs into the first data platforms and and and, and what was available to them on, on that end. So all along, you know, I helped uh, recruit and train and support a lot of ISOs and agents. Uh, and, and so I got to know a lot of people. Then that brings me to about five years ago or so, I decided to uh, retire from, not from first data so much, but corporate America, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but all through that time, uh, you know, uh, all along, I heard this nagging question from ISOs and agents, and this I'm talking about through the years, of what should I do with the business that you guys at First Data won't approve? You know, there's no one out there that I can work with. There's one I don't really necessarily trust. And, and light bulbs went off, and I, I thought that's I, that's where I want to go. You know, I didn't want to just retire. I'm, 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 uh, I'm still too young for that. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Because I started in the business at 16, you know. Maybe. I always got to think of it was even younger than that, but go ahead. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so how long have you been How long have you been doing the high risk now? How long have you been doing payment advisors? Your payment advisors is about five years now. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. Well, that's great. Short time. So maybe, maybe you can kind of segue and talk a little bit about, you know, because, again, some of the, you know, the ISOs and the agents, they do ask that question, what do I do with these accounts to get declined? But at the same time, some of them might say, oh, you know, high risk, you know, I'm, I'm more focused on other things. You know, why is having this high risk provider so important for ISOs and agents? Yeah, well, and, you know, you said it well, is that usually they are focused on other things. And, and you know, in listening to your podcast, uh, uh Patty and James, I, you know, I, I hear all of the different great uh, market segments there, and there's so much to focus on nowadays. It's just, it's so much more exciting uh, of a business. But a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, most of the, the ISOs and agents I work with cast a kind of a wide net. And once in a while, as, as you guys know in this call, you, you run across something, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing with high risk is it, it, it's for me and for someone who specializes in it, it's a big chase because the banks change their policies constantly. Right. You know, today you might be signed with bank A and before you know it, they, they have nothing they can offer to help you, you sure. know, with, with, with what you get. So that's, you know, one big reason to go to a, you know, a specialist or, or a broker like myself, I keep around 15 or so at any given time, you know, 15 different sources to, uh, to, to place uh, business. And, you know, I always like, you know, I like to say high risk is, is itself is not a vertical there. It's made up of multiple verticals within. Sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, right. The neutral space collections, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so you have to work with, uh, you know, people that understand them. Uh, you know, I think merchants sense when you lack knowledge. So it's, it's so much better to just, uh, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this, and this is a little bit of a, side this is my own business i'm not sure all brokers like me work the same but i i kind of work in a way i always first thing i talk to um the iso about is is how do you prefer to work with the merchant some of them have you know they might say i have a bank relationship i want to touch and feel every merchant i do not want to just hand it off to you and that's fine mm-hmm. um but in some cases they don't have the knowledge and they might need me and we're willing to uh you know use people on my staff or myself to sure. to assist 
But normally we ask, you know, just send it to us. And, and you know, and, and if, if I'm working with people that trust me and they know I'm not going to steal the lead or anything like that, I'm still going to pay them. Right. Uh, you know, that's an important part. It, it, it's often better to, you know, to um, to work it that way. Sure. Yeah, um, I would think so. What wouldn't you say, too, I mean, um, it, I think it's so different. It's hard for, I think, agents and, and, and I just even understand. I mean, you know, they think, oh, if I turn it over to you, then how are you going to close the deal? Well, you know, usually if you've got a high risk uh, merchant that's looking for service, you know, number one, they're paying exorbitant rates or they're not even able to accept payments. So it's just a different dynamic, right? I mean, it's more of you're just trying to find a bank that's going to board the merchant. If you do, the merchant's going to say yes. You just got to find the, the right you got to connect the dots, right? Absolutely. And, you know, also a lot of the uh, a lot of the business that we get in are uh, accounts that maybe uh, their, their current relationship is closing down. Mm, so, right. They, know, they won't be able to accept we, payments in 30 days or something. Right. Exactly. And and think about that. You know, that, I mean, that, and, and think about it from a standpoint of if, you, if you're you know really willing to help people, which is what we do is, you know, they're going to remember you. I, I mean, like, you know, the attrition is better than you might think in high risk, because I've got to tell you, we've got, you know, I've had merchants call me and say, look, I, you know, I had the, I, I know, you know, at the time we were getting shut down and you guys had, you know, you had a places at a place that, you know, the rate's pretty high, but, you know, this guy gave me a, you know, kind of a rock bottom deal, but they had the respect to call me. They know that, man, this guy helped me out when I was down right. and out. I was, right. So it's, it's it's a strong relationship. It's a strong bond when you take them through yeah, that too. Sure, you sure. Help them. Well, plus yeah. I think I think too there's a lot there's a lot more downside, isn't there? I mean, it's like you know they switch to an unknown provider and then all of a sudden the rules change or something happens. You know, to me it's there's such a a big risk there of you know the most important thing is they got to be able to accept payments, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the bottom line. And and you know too to the to that point you don't want to um, take advantage of that fact also because there are. People, you know, there are people that will do that. That will say, like, I can, I can charge this guy six percent. He has no choice. You know, I, I mean, right. first of all, there are choices. You know, there are often choices, and 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 secondly, again, I believe, you know, you know, to me, one of the reasons I feel I've lasted in this business is by doing the right thing by people and partners sure. and merchants, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and I know you guys are on that page too. You know. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing too, with uh, you know, I've got a couple of po- points uh, that I'm thinking about uh, when you ask, uh, you know, why come to a, a specialist? You know, the margins are large. You have to remember, you know, they, one thing is is that uh, they, they, there are going to be higher rates also, and very often you're sharing you're sharing, you're sharing revenue with with a, a risk taker, you know, a bank that uh, that uh, is is going to have to manage it more. There's a lot more money that goes into sure. you know management of, of these type of right so it's going to be higher so the margins are are a little better so in, in some cases you might feel well you know i've got so much of a better deal through my direct iso i want something like that out of you and it just doesn't work that way right. you know? it's, a, it's a totally different yeah. business really mm-hmm. yeah it really is but the, the end of the, you know it's a it's a smaller share of the pie but the pie's bigger right? exactly that's what I was just about to say. It's like you're, you know, the margins kind of make up for it. And I know what you mean because I've always, you know, uh, I've always used brokers for high risk stuff. And that's how it always was. It's like the, the split was lower, but, you know, once you got a deal place, then it was, you know, the overall amount was so much higher that it just makes up for it. Yep. Which is, which is exactly right. Um, you know, also the other thing too is that, you know, I, 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 I like analogies and, you know, like you, you would never, you would never go to, a, a surgeon uh, 
uh, let's use as an example, that performs five or six surgeries a year, right? right. So s- same thing. Most people in the uh, you know the mainstream of our industry only get into a high-risk situation every once in a while. We do this every day. Right. Know? So that's mm-hmm. another important uh, point. Awesome. I stress. So uh, – oh, uh, Well, no, I was just going to ask, you know – so like, it's interesting because kind of what we're talking about right now is, you know, these ISOs and agents who, you know, really don't have a big flow. They've got, you know, five, six, seven of these going on. But, you know, what about, I mean, I have talked lately to more agents and ISOs that are kind of interested in what if we wanted to take a foray into high risk? You know, are there particular business types that you would recommend that they, they look into if they're, if they're wanting to really kind of, you know, switch this around and actually go after some high risk accounts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, 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 you know, actually, there's quite, a, quite a few verticals that uh, a lot of the, uh, the, you know, the major processors have, have left out, you know, out in the cold or, or, or sure. left on the table for the rest of us. But uh, the travel and tourism uh, industry mm-hmm. is always good. You know, people still love to travel, and there's so many sure. niches that are being created. You know, it's kind of like I think of, you know. You know, I don't have young kids uh, at this point, but I, I, I notice the all the different summer camps for yes. kids, right? All the yeah, and it's the same thing in the travel industry. There's all these I call them camps for adults, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a, a lot of different ways that they can go after the travel dollar, and and also those in, those merchants are often in need, you know, a, a few large chargebacks here and there, and they're in trouble, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, nutraceuticals a great area. Um, so many sub verticals there, you know, skincare and teeth whiteners and a lot of different uh, uh, verticals where the owners are always looking for new mids. You know, they lose right. mids. Uh, the attrition could be uh, uh, difficult on that just from the fact that uh, sometimes, especially with trial based uh, selling, they, they um, often, you know, the chargebacks are hard to control and they might lose their, lose their mids. But, I, you know, you'd be surprised. I have some that are, I, I've got a, a group of uh, uh, right now that they're, they're probably uh, I've got mids as, as, as long as three years no, running, you know. Hmm. So, um, so, so a lot of that is good. Would you right would, now, would you oh, say there's? I'm, I'm sorry. One other just kind of follow up on that. It, like, would you say there's a difference? Be, and again, I'm not the high risk expert, so you know, it would seem to me if some of these places that provide, let's say, some kind of skincare or something like that. Isn't there a difference between a merchant that's providing that like B2B where they're a, like a distributor and they're, they're you know, selling 5000 or $10,000 worth of this stuff to different retailers versus, you know, an e-commerce company that's selling direct to consumer? I mean, those are, those are both high risk, right? But they're, they're very different, I would think. Yeah, very much. And there, and there is a lot of that. Yeah. You, you get to the uh, manufacturer level uh, or wholesale level. And, you know, that brings, I'll tell you too, that's a good segue, James, to the next uh, vertical that. Uh, I, I would mention a CBD, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, there's a lot of that where there, there's, you know, a lot of manufacturers, a lot of people manufacturing now. So it's, it's mostly selling to, you know, to retailers right, and there are right. a lot of retailers. And there. a lot of online it, with doing that. I, we were just talking about that earlier today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yep. That would be another good one. I would imagine. Have you had a lot of success with CBD and getting it, getting it placed and everything? Yeah, well, it's it's difficult. We're having success, but it's it's difficult. But mm-hmm. it is probably the hottest e-commerce segment right now. But there's only a few domestic banks that really have uh, uh, a um, an appetite. But we're getting them placed. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, as, as as I understand it, I mean, even CBD has to um, pass muster with the FinCEN and the and the Justice Department memo on 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 those types of. Um, 
of things. You know the the federally what is it Schedule One? I mean, it still it still classifies as, as cannabis, even though it's the the oil, right? Well, it, it, yes and no, because it, it really with with CBD it comes down to because CBD is really the non THC. Yeah, I understand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it, it comes down to, uh, yeah, following, you know, all the same guidelines. Same uh, guidelines, right. Yeah. The Cole yeah. Memo and the FinCEN rules is what I'm thinking of. Those are, just for people who don't know, it's a Justice Department memorandum on what steps banks need to do to take in order to, to pass muster with regulators. Hmm. Um, and then yeah. FinCEN has to do with money laundering because that's what a lot of the controls are protecting against. Yeah, and what the and the problem too is is when you're uh, selling into states that are not legal, right? Uh, then it's not it's considered money laundering. Exactly, that's why it has oh, to only be the states where it's legal. Huh? Yeah, wow, and that becomes very difficult if you're selling online. Right. Right. Yeah. How do you yes. block, how do you block somebody from buying something mm-hmm. if you require a zip code or something? I don't know. That's yeah. Interesting. What yeah. What are some other What are some other uh, verticals? You got any others that you could think of that would be good ones to go after? Yeah, the, you know, the other one, too, is, uh, and I'm going to the, uh, you know, the, the cannabis uh, industry. Uh, and, you know, oh, that's next month, right? Yeah, next month. We'll, right. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be all legal. No, cannabis, we can't do anything with, uh, with credit. Uh, uh, it's, it, it's a, you know, right. it's just not possible right yet. It's, right. it's still classified, as, as you mentioned, Patty, as a Schedule One drug. Uh, and that is, uh, and there's, there's more to come on that as, as, you know, as far as the, um, uh, some of the laws that, uh, you know, we just had the farm bill that, that right. helps a little, that bit. helps but a little states, bit. States right rule is the big one though. Yeah. And there's also, I think, you know, I, I've done some reporting on this and the, the, the other thing that, that gets in the way are, are the IRS regulations as well. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so but we do have some we do have some products that cross into there, uh, you know, such as cashless ATM. It's running on the ATM right. rails. That's a, that's something right. I've heard of as well, and um, and also just uh, there are some debit. I think there's a debit card network uh, out of Colorado. Is it? Yeah, there's a there's a pin debit. Yes, network. we, we right. work with them as well. Hmm. Uh, e-check, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's there's a few e-check for the online. But what that does is, is you know, I'm, I'm more interested in the cannabis industry. I'm more interested in getting in the door now. Right. And then it's only a matter of time because anybody who lives in a state where it's legal, like I was talking to someone this morning from California. He said, I mean, you wouldn't even believe. I said, oh, no, I know. Oh, yeah. It's like these cash, these cashless ATM uh, terminals that we that we place uh, will put, you know, like we'll ask them, well, how many do you need? You know, this will, you know, this will you'll be able to run basically – ATM transactions that will deposit to your bank accounts that right. in cash, and they'll say, "Oh, we'll take six. I'm like, six. Really? And they'll say, "Yeah, we have six six stations in the in the uh, dispensary." Wow, I mean, they, interesting. They're huge. Yeah, because yeah, they're big. I live in Maryland, and um, you know, I, it always amazes me the way that they have it set up in Maryland. They will only take in one customer at a time. <laughs> so I went there, and this is kind of – you can get a kick out of this. On April 20th, 420, I went to the dispensary, <laughs> and the cra- the waiting room was just packed. They were calling in extra people, but they only had one POS terminal in this place. Wow. So I can see – you're right. You're right. I mean that there's – 
I, I mean, you know, there's definitely so, a need for that. So for, for those of, for those listening and, and for myself who have no idea what you guys are talking about, some <laughs> of this, um, so when you say a cashless ATM machine, I'm, I'm assuming what we're talking about is we need a way to get around the fact that they can't pay with this with a card. They have to get cash out and pay with cash, but you're kind of sidestepping that and the money's going directly to the merchant. Is that yeah, what it is is if, if, if I can just try to answer this one, because uh, I, I just, sure, I, I just done some research yep. on this myself and basically it's a, it's a POS device. It's set up as an ATM. So I go in, I hand them my debit card. Right. Uh, it's $93. I buy $93 worth of stuff. Right. Well, you can't take $93 out of an ATM. It has to be a hundred bucks. Has to be a hundred bucks. Okay. So the, in, in some cases, the merchant will also put a cash discount or, right, or something sure, in course. there. Service right. Fee or whatever. Service fee or whatever. Right. So I give them my debit card. They, they enter it as an ATM transaction for a hundred dollars and give me seven dollars cash back nice. is that basically did i did i explain that pretty well well it's you know what that you're close it, okay it's a little it's a little different now actually and, and you know what this is an update this just happened uh, about a week ago that uh, okay because uh, it's been a few weeks since i've been in a dispensary so <laughs> yeah, it, 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 yeah it has changed in that we can do one dollar increments oh we, wow we can't do change can't do you know 55 50 but we can right. do one dollar increments and what we do what what happens with this is that the the uh, pin uh or, or the yeah the pin uh is hand uh, the pin pad right in my mind is handed over to the uh, customer Consumer, and then right? they agree they, they put in their pin number and then they agree to a convenience fee that's where right. we make our money yeah sure of course fee. right and that right. convenience yeah. fee presumably comes out of whatever Sure, just like if you go to an ATM, you're going to pay convenience fees. So of course. Yeah. It's no okay. difference. Exactly. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, I was talking to a dispensary not long ago, and they're like, I'm like, hey, you used to be able to take debit cards here. How come you're not? Oh, we had to change that out, but we have an ATM over there. And I'm thinking to myself, you just blew. Right. You know, yeah, huge. Huge opportunity there. <laughs> but what the dispensaries love about it is is they could, I mean, they can get an ATM machine, obviously, but then it does not solve the problem no. of how much cash they because you have so much cash there, you know. I mean, um, one of the things I was talking, interviewing a dispensary owner not long ago, and she was telling me that any given time, she has sixty thousand dollars in cash in her store. Wow. Talk about being Easily. being set up for robbery, right? I'm like, even yep. if you take the money to the bank, she's like, well, I have to hire an armored guard to take me to the All bank. Right. Whoa! They do. And that that is that is an extra cost. They That's do. a big cost. Uh, Hired armored guards. Some of them had guards on the premises. On the premises. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of the newer ones, you know, this is becoming big business too. Uh, I, I mean, the, the people that are coming into it are, you know, they've been in bigger, you know, big arenas before. Right. They, they, they're, yeah, they're serious people. They're, they're very serious. Yeah. Flakes, you know, but uh, it's not just a bunch of stoners now, out growing stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. They're, yeah, they're not, and they're not getting high on their own supply. No, they're not. <laughs> but. but but they're, uh, when they shop for locations nowadays, they, they actually look for former bank buildings so that yes. they can... They have a vault. So yeah. they have a vault. In fact, one of the ones I go to in Maryland is a former bank thing, and they have this whole setup where I go into one door, the door has to close... Then I can sure. open the other door, just like in the old days when you used to go into a vault in a bank. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. All right. So we let's let's move on a little bit here to talk about some of the changes. I know, you know, you mentioned uh, about five years or so that you've been doing the payment advisors. What are the changes that you've seen during that time uh, in the high risk industry? Yeah, a lot, there's been a lot of things that have changed. Um, you know, first, I think I would answer that is, you know, not as much overall panic in certain categories. I, I call it panic because 
really, when I first started, I was like, wow, this is like, you know, this is great. What, you know, I really, we wide open, we blew it out. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. Right. Because, you know, if you guys remember maybe four or five years ago, you know, a lot of processes were, you know, like there's one well-known processor that dropped like 20,000 lending merchants, you know, payday mm-hmm. lending and those kind of all at once and right. collections merchants and things like that. So that is not happening as much. Um, Patty, you mentioned, you know, some of these uh, uh, regulatory agencies, you know, like CFPB, FTC, mm-hmm. they're, they're not as aggressive as they were no. at one time, you know. Uh, but, you know, all that said, it's actually, uh, you know, getting even harder to get approvals because even the banks that have an appetite for risk, you know, they're, they're really tightening up. They want, and, and, you know, and I'm right with this, but they want real people running real businesses, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get, you know, we do a lot of our own underwriting in-house first, you know, to make sure is this even going to pass the test. And we'll get, you know, we'll get maybe somebody saying, I- I'm going to do, uh, you know, it's a nutraceutical business. We're going to do about $25,000 a month. Uh, and we look, you know, they, you know, they hands, you know, their hands are up in the air going, hey, I, I don't have any processing history. I don't have any bank statements. Can't help you with that. So we have to get, okay, well, let's see your personal bank statements. And you'll see right. personal bank <laughs> statements with balances of like, a hundred dollars, right? Five dollars. You're like, this isn't a real, you know, this is right. some kind of a straw signer or, you know, something like that. Sure. Um, also, you know, uh, underwriting guidelines, you know, I, I you know, I, I think it, from, you know, back in the days at first data, you know, and I worked pretty close. I was at a pretty high level. I got to uh, vice president level, but we used to work with the risk departments and, and, you know, really, Risk uh, analysis and or, or, or underwriting guidelines and taking a look at the you know where we are and what we want. It, it used to be a yearly thing. Uh, now it seems oh my god, it's like every other month. You know they're yeah. changing their guidelines, mm-hmm. dropping merchant types and that kind of thing. Hmm. So you really have to you really have to stay up. I mean, stay up on it. It sounds like it sounds like it's becoming something where it, it does make sense to to work with someone specialized like yourself in this area because it's getting because they're up to date. Yeah, sure. you're up to date, and, and there's just so many changes that if you're only doing one deal every couple months, it's just you're not going to be able to stay up to date on everything. Yeah, no question. I mean, we keep our ears our ear to the ground. That's that's for sure. Sure. Okay. And I, you know, I would also tell you guys too that the you know the uh, and, and I like this because again, I want good, strong, legit, legitimate merchants. But the um, the risk management people nowadays, I mean, they're just uh, it's amazing. I think they're they're recruiting a lot of them from the or not think I know you know from the police world. I mean, they're former oh, sure. police investigators, FBI. Sure. Yeah, they're yeah they really know and very aggressive approaches. I had a a vape merchant uh, in in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, that was doing a ton retail, nice business and they said we're, we're shutting you know this merchant processor of mine didn't want cbd they were doing cbd they shut them down they said we're not doing CBD. i swear we're not doing cbd and then i went back i said look this guy really you know he doesn't understand where you're getting this and they said look at his facebook page and his instagram page you know they uh-huh find, they, uh-huh <laughs> they find them you know yeah wow yeah that's a that, big that's, deal. That's some serious underwriting right there. That's a little different than the uh, the standard pizza shop application that most uh, agents deal with. <laughs> yeah. But but and you know you really, is... especially with everything that's available on social media. I mean, I I would be surprised if they weren't doing them. Right, kinds you of should. Them. Yeah. yeah, sure. Exactly. Yep. Well, that's becoming standard practice. But the tools are 
the tools are different nowadays. That's for sure. That's changed mm-hmm. quite a bit, even in five years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's actually really really interesting. Let me ask you. Let me ask you one last question on the high risk. Um, so. Just and I know that obviously this this varies a lot and it's going to be kind of a total guess, but I'm just curious. So if if I'm a, an ISO and I'm doing you know 300 deals a month and I've got you know I run into 10 or 20 a month that are high risk. If I'm sending those over to you guys and saying, hey, you know we're not the experts, you take these and do whatever. What percentage of those deals, as a general rule, are you finding that you're able to find a home uh, for for those deals that they're sending? What percentage are getting approved? Yeah, you know what? Unfortunately, and you know, I'm always going to be honest because there's a lot of people in my industry that are all we're, we're getting them all done. We, we'll get 80 percent of it's not happening. I, I can say it's probably right. Yeah, right. More like yeah, it, it, and that's a great question uh, that you asked, James. But it, it, it's probably more like 50 percent. I mean, a that's lot of them are just yeah. there's reasons. Yeah, you know, sure. I get uh, in a lot of them are right in the door. You know, they'll say, look, I mean, their chargebacks are only six percent. I'm like, only? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, and so so that's good. I mean, and again, it's you know it just keeps coming back, and and it's a common theme on our podcast, whether it's talking about technology or in this case high risk. That you know you got to focus on what you're best at doing, and you know fifty percent of something is a lot better than zero zero, and it's also a whole lot better than getting fifty percent on your own or forty or thirty percent, but then having to split your focus to figure out high risk rather than focusing on the other eighty five percent of your business. You know, right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, my what I've told people is, let me be your high risk department. You know, right. Don't, mm-hmm. don't create it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Okay, last question for you. So, um, you you've been in the industry a long time. Uh, you've seen a lot of things. What's maybe one or two important lessons that you've learned in the merchant services industry that you would be willing to share with ISOs and MLSs that are out there right now that are you know trying to build that business up? What's a, what's one tip or lesson you could give them? I don't know if I can put it down to one, but one thing that comes to mind, you know, I always told agents when I was, uh, you know, working in, you know, the first eight days and training and developing people is to to make sure you hire people to to cover your your weaknesses, which that's a given. Everybody says it, but but most importantly, to have time to do what you do best, which is sell, you know? Right. Um, Yep. And... And I, I did something that I, I hired, and I got to throw kudos out to my daughter, but I hired my daughter, Marcy, uh, Marcy excuse me, shortly after I, I, I started to, to run the operations side of the business. And you know mm-hmm. what? It grew like wildfire. wildfire. And, and now I always like to say, uh, you know, she runs the business and I feed it. And, and that's mm-hmm. the way it should be. Yep. You know? I, I, could yeah. not, I could not agree with you more. It's, you know, it's, it took me so long to learn that lesson. You know, I've had a business partner. Nobody, I don't think anybody's even known who my business partner is, but I've had a business partner, uh, two different ones. Uh, one that I had and then I, and then we sold that business. Uh, he was out and I have another one. And now my, uh, my uh, partner is my lead developer and Jack, uh, yeah. nobody knows Jack. He's the details. He loves the details. He's really into that. I love selling and bringing in the revenue. And so it's, I, I think you have to have that yin and yang, right. In, in business because, uh, nobody is the the full package. Everybody's got their weaknesses. They right. need to fill in the, the gaps. Yeah. And if they try yeah. to be the full package, they're going to fall down at some point. Oh something. yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's right. Yeah, so there's always got to be other... that behind the scenes person that's making everything run smooth, like your daughter is, right? And then, and then you have yeah. to have somebody out front that's like, all right, let's let's make this happen, and they can they can focus more on growing the business. Yeah, that's for sure. There's no question. Yeah, you got to be able to spread your wings and fly. You know, there's no question about that. Awesome. Uh, the other, you know, the only other thing I would I would say is you know find a niche, learn everything about it from all sides, but mostly 
from the uh, from the merchants' point of view. Make sure you understand, you know, their business, and mm-hmm. and then on top of that, partner up. You know, it, it, very important to partner with people. You can't do this alone. There's right. no way. Absolutely. You know, I heard something a long time ago. Real quick, I, I just thought it's it, it's uh, people are more important for what they can lead you to than for what they can buy from you. So it's, it's so important true. to get. Yeah, those connections. Yeah. Well, Steve, this has been very enlightening. I I don't want to. I don't want to get you off here though before we share a little contact info. So, um, if I'm uh, an ISO or you know somebody like that that has some high risk deals, I want to talk to you about you know working together, partnering with you in some way. What's the best way to to learn more about uh, payment advisors and reach out? Yeah. Well, first look at look at our website. Uh, The thing with our name is uh, Payment Advisors was was taken, so it's Payment Dash advisors.com sure okay and the other payment advisors of financial planner or something or, or, or you could just send an info or, or info email info at payment advisors.com awesome great well steve thank you so much for your time very enlightening good information i learned a lot today yes steve this was a great conversation thank you thank you both you guys are great and keep up the good work thank you thank Thanks, you steve. very much okay. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by Greensheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The Greensheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. The holidays are upon us, and while conventional wisdom would have it that this is not a time of year most merchants want to be bothered by sales calls, that shouldn't stop anyone from working to strengthen existing merchant relationships. After all, success in merchant services these days is more about being a consultant to merchants than just being a sales rep, as we've talked about a lot in these podcasts. As an aside, I have to say, you know, uh, ISOs and MLSs as consultants to clients, while it may seem like a recent phenomenon, it really isn't. No, not at all. It's always been the successful ones have always done that. I've always been that. And I I recall uh, moderating roundtables about 20 years ago with leading ISOs and acquirers. Sure. And that was the point that they would always drill home. You know, um, got to be a consultant. You can't just be out there selling on price. And right. um, sure. And I think that this has only um, grown in importance yeah. as margins have compressed and also as merchant needs become more sophisticated. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. in today's mobile area with, you know, online and mobile. Right. You got to know what you're talking you about. got to know what you're talking about. Yep. So anyway, back to the subject at hand, planning. So the period between Thanksgiving and Christmas is big business for America's small businesses. Studies suggest that many small retailers ring up between 10 and 15% of yearly sales just during that roughly four-week period. But, of course, competition is, is fierce. There's also quite a bit of data suggesting everyone in business today is looking for technology and to leverage technology for competitive advantage. Absolutely. Now, my colleague Dale Lazig uh, interviewed industry experts on how MLSs and ISOs can leverage uh, technology to support merchants during hyper-competitive holiday seasons. She grouped the recommendations into several areas of consideration, and I'm going to summarize three of these areas here. Uh, Boosting engagement, leveraging big data, and managing cash flow. But I'd like to refer readers to the October 9th issue of Green Sheet for her detailed reporting. Sure. Boosting engagement. Effective planning begins with understanding how, when, and where customers shop and what motivates them to buy. CRM tools and reporting can prove valuable assets for boosting and sustaining customer engagement, often in real time. 
you know, think in terms of automated marketing campaigns or those sure. uh, location-triggered um, marketing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, CRM systems and reporting can also be used by ISOs and agents. Yep. You know, they can uh, be used to support streamlining of critical tasks like, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, sending appropriate holiday gifts. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Based yep. on factors like profitability, longevity, sure, marketing brand recognition, things like that. Yep. Another example would be uh, email-enabled alerts for holiday closures. Yep. Sure. Right. Um, instructions for where to get backup support to fend off. You know, this is going to mm-hmm. fend off uh, ugly surprises, set expectations, and and really reinforce your commitment to to service. Sure. Now, leveraging big data. My favorite. Yes, it's such a such an enormous topic. It is, and <laughs> and it's something that small business owners just do not do right now. And they could benefit so much. Oh, yep. I mean, you know, the most important consideration with data, of course, is how it gets used. For example, having uh, information on prior successes and failures can be helpful, but only if that information is to use to formulate insights on where to go. Right. Um, such as preparing for the 2018 holiday season. Right. So good analytics can help make help merchants make informed decisions. They might, for example, use analytics to pinpoint their best sales day. Mm-hmm. And if they find that blacks. Friday was their best sales day in 2017. You know, they can use that information to perhaps um, aid in the decision to open earlier this year. Have more employees on staff. Have more employees on staff, you know. Go toe-to-toe with the big box guys. Mm -hmm. Data-driven insights can also help merchants manage their online reputations. Right. You know, CRMs can be leveraged to identify, for example, negative online reviews and respond in real time. Mm Mm-hmm. I know we spoke with a courier from Wampley not long ago, yep. and he, he mm-hmm. talked about that. You know, this becomes increasingly important as more consumers and businesses turn to online reviews as part of their pre-purchase oh, process. Oh, my, yeah. You know? Yep. Um, I just recently bought a new a new um, tablet, and, you know, I went through all the reviews before oh, yeah. I decided. You know? I did that just uh, yesterday. Of course, we have a new baby girl uh-huh. uh, who is fussy right now, you know. Right. So I went and uh, uh, I wanted to find one of those, like, bouncers, you know, for the baby that does, like, you know, automatic, that right. does all these different motions. Right. And, you know, and, and, I, and whatever. I must have, I don't know, I read probably 10 reviews, uh, you know, before I got it. Watched a video of a parent Same showing. Here, right. Yeah. That's, right. That stuff matters. It really does. Yeah. You know, for ISOs, big data can and should be leveraged to understand when and how much support to provide merchants. Right. You know, to use the Black Friday analogy again, if you know from previous years that this is a day when support calls increase, you're going to want to have staff on hand. Absolutely. You you get a, have a merchant, uh, their terminal go down on uh, Black, Friday? Black Friday. See how long you keep that merchant account uh-huh. or if you ever get it again. If you ever get it or again. Or if they don't tell every single other business owner they know never to use you. Never. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, it's funny on that note. Uh, one thing I used to do when I had my portfolio locally that I was really engaged in, um, I had, I don't remember how many, I'm sure I had at least six or seven. Uh, this is back in the day. So I had VX510s. Right. But I had these Verifone terminals that, you know, with the processor I was using, I figured out a way to set up the file so that the file was already built. I just had to change the mid and the bank ID. Oh, wow. I didn't have to do a download. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So you and, can just go right in. Yeah. 
And I had these there, and and everybody in my family knew. Hey, when it comes to Black Friday and like the crisp that that season right there, you know, holidays are great. I'm a credit card processing salesperson, right. so I am on call literally 24 seven during that time. Some people they want to open at three in the morning mm-hmm. or whatever, and I reached out and sent an email. So I had my email that I would send out to all my merchants. You know, happy holidays. Just so you know, I have spare terminals in my car right now, and Ready this is my cell phone number, and I will have it on every moment between now and Christmas. Mm-hmm. And if your terminal starts to go down, you have any issues, whatever, call me. I will be. I will drive directly there and put a new terminal in. I'll be ready to go. And that makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, um, managing cash flow. Right. Cash flow management can challenge even the most astute business person. And for merchants, it could be particularly challenging this time of year. Oh, yeah. You know, I heard a report the other day, uh, you know, the one-time retailing behemoth uh, Sears just filed mm-hmm. for bankruptcy. Yep. And in the lead-up to that, I had read a couple reports that said that um, one of the problems they had is they couldn't stock up for Christmas because yeah. nobody would deliver merchandise and credit. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's... No, nobody wants to get stuck with the cash flow uh, constraint. Right. And yeah. so imagine, you know, being a small merchant in that, oh, yeah. in that predicament. Yep. You know, among the obvious um, cash management challenges that merchants face are revenue seasonality, inadequate receivables management and Mm -hmm. um, forecasting tools. Sure. Yep. And limited access to capital. Yep. Now, ISOs have access to lots of tools that can help merchants overcome these obstacles. Sure. You know, there's cash management software that can be integrated with POS solutions that help merchants analyze expenses and offer, you know, additional actionable insights. Mm-hmm. And many of these are geared specifically towards vertical markets, right. which we've discussed in the past. Yep. Uh, another obvious example is merchant cash advances. Yeah, big big time of the year for those, actually. Big time of the year for but those. But you know what I, I would point out, and from my experience, big time of the year, you know, this is airing on November 16th. Um, right now, this is the time of the year. Because yes. what happens is that the merchants are going to see opportunities to go buy something in bulk now mm-hmm. that they can sell for a four or five times markup. Right. And they need you know, $12,000 to, to go, go buy that buy thing. That. Yes. Now, you know, if you offer the cash advance December 20th, you know, you're not okay. going to, right. Now, it, there's a whole different need where what will happen sometimes is they'll get to the end of the season and they're broke because they've invested everything into their business, sold everything at a discount. They've had lots of extra employees and payroll went up. And mm-hmm. then there's all of a sudden a little bit of a, wow, we grew our business a lot, but a grow. you know, one thing I think people misunderstand about business. Oh, your business is growing. You must be making a fortune, right? No. If your business is growing, you're not making anything. You're losing money because you're investing it to grow your business, business. marketing dollars and everything. And then when you stop growing and you stabilize, that's when you make all your money. So there's different, I think there's different needs in different times where they want those. Oh yeah, I think so for sure. You know, Um, but you know, and the interesting thing about, you know, just to kind of get into the technology angle of cash advances, what I think is so cool about, you know, the merchant cash Mm -hmm. advance business is that they use some of these really high tech, um, underwriting tools. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that can you know support fast access to cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's often within you know a day or two. Almost a rolling line of credit, really. Almost like a rolling, you know. You know it's, and so it's, not, you have it's seas- not it's not managed that way, but it almost works. But like it almost that. works that way. Yeah. yeah, you have seasonal hiring and training needs. You know, mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity. You, yep. you know, you know, on 
November 16th, you're going to need it. So you can do it. Exactly. Right. Well, yeah. And that's another really good point. You know, you hire people because of your big Christmas season, you got to train them. So you may double your payroll for three weeks prior to getting mm-hmm. the revenue that justifies it. Right. Exactly. And how are you going to pay that? Right. right? So, you know, some final thoughts here. Uh, you know, effective planning and business needs to be a continuous process. It can't be a once and done proposition. But plans that leverage new and emerging technologies to better manage time-consuming and time-sensitive tasks and to deliver timely insights will help merchants achieve sales goals and deliver great customer experiences during the holidays and, and throughout the year. And, of course, that in turn makes for more profitable merchant portfolios. Awesome. Well, thanks, Patty. Great information. Thank you. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So this is kind of our pre-holiday episode, right, Patty? Yes, indeed. All right. So I want to talk for just a minute about this. You mentioned it in the Insider's Report. It's a common uh, theme across merchant services, and that is, I can't board any new merchants now. It's it's November and December. No mm-hmm. one is going to, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk about the, the reality on the street, right? Right. So a couple things I found about that. Number one, I found that the primary reason that um, agents are not selling deals during the holidays um, is not the lack of interest from the merchants, but the lack of work ethic from the agents. Uh-huh. So during this festive time of year, take a few moments to talk to your family about what your holiday schedule is. Yes. Right now. Yes. Take some time. Hey, you know what, honey? Thanksgiving's coming up. Am I taking off a day? Am I taking off a week? Am I taking off a month? You know, do whatever suits you, but make a plan and keep your plan, and please. keep to it. Yes. <laughs> so just one little side note out throughout. Now, the other thing is this. Let me give you the ultimate holiday pitch, okay? I had no problem closing merchants in the holidays, and I'll tell you why. Whatever you are offering them in terms of your value proposition is massively more valuable during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Are you offering them savings of 20% off their processing fees? Well, their processing fees are about to triple. Right. So you're now saving them a huge amount, that 20%. Well, I want to wait till January 1st. Well, why would you want to wait till January 1st when you're going to get more savings now than you're going to get the first four months of the year? Right. I mean, who's going to be buying things from you on January 1st? Right. If you're going to save money, let's do it now, right? Right. Um, If you're selling them the concept of a point of sale system that manages their business, when do they need help with that the most? Over the holidays. Mm -hmm. You want to sell gift cards? Holidays. That's when people buy gift cards. You want to sell cash discounting? You're going to wipe out all their merchant services fees? When is that going to be most valuable? During the holidays. Mm-hmm. So don't fall prey to this idea of, oh, I can't close a merchant. It's it's Thanksgiving to Christmas. Yes, you can, but you have to do something that's really, really difficult for a lot of people that call themselves salespeople. You have to sell people. Hello? Mm-hmm. Close the sale. Yes, the orders may become more difficult to take, but the people are not more difficult to close. Right. So for the order takers, you're going to really suck for the next few weeks. For the closers, you're going to do great. So get ready for an exciting season where you can close a lot more deals. Mm -hmm. Now, 
last tip I want to give you. So I talked actually in the Insiders Report, we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of keeping terminals, uh, you know, in your car and, right. and having all that stuff. The other thing I'll tell you is, though, do make sure that you have a solid database. And here's what I mean by that. Now, you it is true that merchants are going to use the objection of not until after the holidays, right? Mm -hmm. Now, again, I that to me, that's an objection. It's like any other objection. Sure. I'm going to try to overcome it, and I'm going to try to close the sale. I'm never going to take it at face value because, like most objections, it's not true. <laughs> right. um, they really should buy from you now, you know what I mean, which this would be great. It's going to make a difference. Right. But a couple things I want to tell you about that real quick and kind of closing here. One is, again... Have that that database so that when somebody says that you try to overcome, you try to overcome, you try to overcome, but you realize, stink! I'm just boy, they really they've near they've just zeroed in on this excuse. I cannot get around it. Then right. guess what you do? You lock them in for the first week of January, which should always be your biggest sales time of the year. Mm -hmm. So now mm -hmm. you say, well, I tell you what, Mr. Jones, let let's you know let's just, let's push this back. So let's assume I'm going to come back here the first week of January. Before I let you go, though, let me just confirm a couple things. Number one, would you agree? that the savings I'm offering is worth you taking action? Oh, absolutely. Great. Uh, would you confirm that, you know, you don't have any other questions about this? Is there anything else you need to know before you move forward with me after the holidays? No, no, we're all set. We have everything we need. Okay, great. I'm going to get all the paperwork done and have everything ready for you. And I'm going to come back here on January 4th and we're going to go ahead and get everything signed up and ready to go for you. And we'll have you activated by that second week of January. You could tell 50 people that between now and the end of the year. The first week of January, all you're doing is you're just collecting commission checks. Go from business to business and get, let me tell you what the pitch is. You walk in, blow them away with your pitch. It's an assumptive pitch. Hey, how's everything going? Boy, I hope you guys had a great holiday season, did you? That's awesome. Well, hey, just like you asked, I've got all that paperwork ready here. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, just to get these done. But I had a couple questions for you. What's the legal name of the business? Write it down. Great. And then the physical address, do you want it mailed here, the, the statement here or to your house? Literally just walk in and fill out the application. Uh-huh. Don't close them. Don't ask them anything. Fill out the application. And then they're like, well, we did have a couple questions for you, you know, or, oh, we decided not to move forward. Oh, what questions did you have? When they answer your questions, say, glad I was able to answer that question for you. Now, where was I here? What's the phone number for the business? Mm -hmm. Fill out the application. Mm -hmm. Last little tip is this. One way you can get around the objection of, oh, it's the holiday season is tell them this. Hey, look, you're going to process three times as much over the next six weeks. So would you agree with me that the savings are going to be three times more pronounced than usual? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to save you $50 a month on average, but now I'm going to save you $150 a month. Now, here's what we're going to do, though. I understand your concern. Your concern is you don't want to switch, and then lo and behold, the terminal goes down. Right. Right? That would be catastrophic for your business. Well, you know what? This is so great because you get to have your cake and eat it, too, because I'm going to put my terminal in, but I'm not going to cancel your existing account until after the first. What that means is we're going to take your other terminal and put it down here below the counter. God forbid something happens with my terminal. It's going to take me an hour to get over here and replace it. Just take the other terminal out and it's already ready to go and you can swipe a card. So actually you're worried about the risk of switching. I'm actually going to take that risk and cut it in half, uh -huh. even more than half, because you're going to have two fully working, ready to go live terminals yeah. at your business yeah. for the holiday season. Isn't that a great idea, Mr. Jones? Of course it is. Let's get you signed up. So that's how you sell during the holidays. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. 
We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.